good afternoon, good morning, depending where, well, good morning to David, to David Faffenhaus, our guest. Welcome to go, Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly. So today, our great, amazing, brilliant guest, brilliant, and I don't, I don't mean to embarrass you, brilliant, graduated from Harvard in three years, so a very smart young man, and I'd like to turn it over to you to share what project you're working on now that is helping recruiters with this amazing platform for recruiters using AI to find people, to find hard to find folks that could really help their businesses. So I think you would do a better job sharing it than I will. And maybe you could talk about Juicebox, People GPT, the AI recruiting platform. Thanks so much for having me, Jack. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to be on, and uh, appreciate you you inviting me. Um, happy to share a little bit more about Juicebox. So we're uh, an AI powered recruiting platform, and um, the kind of core innovation that we bring to the market, or the capability that really wasn't possible before, is all of recruiting searches typically were keyword based. So if we're looking for something, um, we constructed different Boolean searches, we put together different filter based searches. And those are really powerful for a lot of different types of searches, but they also result in us always missing some candidates and missing some keywords that results in us missing candidates. And so what we first did when we started building people GPT is one, aggregating a lot of different data sources to ensure that we have as much data as possible about every individual. And two, allowing for a smarter AI search through candidates. So rather than just matching for keywords, the AI actually reads through every single profile, determines, hey, could this person be a good fit for the search? And then shows them to you based on that. And so it results in quite a different search experience, also a bit of a different way of interacting with a search and can result in some really great matches, especially ones that are really hard to find on other platforms. Yeah. For me and the audience, what maybe you could what, what you know walk us through this because to me it seems like freaking magic like how this works because if I understand correctly you have millions literally like tens and hundreds of millions of data points that you're able to take from the internet and then index it somehow and then through a funnel, draw down to so when the rubber meets the road, where a recruiter is looking for somebody, you can find that person. Now, to me, that's just mind blowing. I get it. I see, you know, Google did this back in the day to get started. But how behind the scenes, just from a layman's perspective, how are you able to aggregate millions and millions of data points, right? And then find the people who are these, you know, potential job, you know, job seekers, candidates, applicants. But then have it organized in a way you can find it. To me, that's just like mind blowing. How how do, how does it work? How do you do it? Yeah. So the the really cool technology that enables this is uh, kind of a called a vector based embedding search. So what it does in in essence is it takes different experiences that people have had. And so, for example, um, I previously worked at at Snap um, in a growth role, and it would take that experience and put it on a huge map. And you can think of that map as kind of a three-dimensional space with all different experiences from all different people mapped across the world. And so that'll have hundreds of millions of different experiences and they're grouped by similarity. And so for example, it might have experiences in the software engineering domain in one area 
or experiences in the marketing domain in another. The AI then knows where to go in that search. So for example, if we're looking for a software engineer, it'll go into that area with all the software engineering experiences, but it can go one layer deeper and continue to find, okay, I'm not just looking for a software engineer, but I'm actually looking with someone with experience in fraud detection. And so it goes into the kind of even more specific space where all the, all the engineers with fraud detection experience are. And so by continuing to do that search and continuing to go narrower and narrower into that space, it's able to find those best fit profiles. And the reason I like to think of it as a, of a map is because it is a nice representation, both of how all those experiences are distributed, but also how they can change. Because as you update your profile and as you add more experiences, your place in that map can also change and your expertise and, and relevant background changes too. So David, when, when you and your team are, are, are searching for, I guess this is machine learning, you know, AI, all that kind of good stuff. It's not necessarily looking for Jack Kelly or David. It's really looking for information and data around that person, where they, you know, where they work, what they do, what communities they're part of, what groups they're part of. Is that, is that how, is that kind of what it is? That's exactly right. And even the more we know about those companies that they work at, the communities that they're a part of and more, we're able to associate that with the profile too. And so, for example, if someone works at a company in the HR space, mm -hmm. we know that individual has some domain expertise in the HR space as well, based on that being the company that they work in. So, so it's not as if you're looking for some, like these in individuals one at a time, it's you're kind of the, 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 I don't even what you would call it that reaches out to, to figure out who would be that right person and then filter it through. And how does it, to me, it would seem that would be ripe for mistakes when you're dealing with millions and millions and millions of variables. How do you make sure that when it gets to your, to your platform, that you don't have a lot of clunkers in there? Because when you're dealing with such large numbers, it would seem that would happen, but I've tried it out and it was accurate. So how does, how are you able to do that? Yeah. So the, the short answer is it gets better with practice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, fortunately we've been around for long enough and had a kind of a very high amount of usage, especially early on, which allowed us to continue training and improving the models very quickly. And so now that the model has seen millions of different searches, it knows exactly how to go about searching and what makes for a good candidate and not based on what the users then prefer in the system. And so as it gathers more of that data, it's able to continue to improve its own search results. And so we have this really nice setup of a self-improving model as folks continue to use it. So, so one of the ways to keep improving it is the more people who use it, the more people who conduct searches and the more times they use again, a co-pilot or what have you to, to find, like you said, narrow it down, narrow it down, it gets better and better and better and better over time. So that whether it's Juicebox or any other AI platform, maybe at the beginning, it's it could be a little bit meh, you know, because you didn't have as many people, you don't have as much data, but as you get more data, more users, it could help. I guess exactly that's exactly right just off topic a little bit i've noticed and maybe this is just me with uh i use uh prox uh prox what is it, proximity i use it every day i'm spacing out and you know what are the ai platforms um i'm not i really don't use chat gpt too much but proximity or proximity whatever the hell it is i can't remember um 
it seems to have been a little degraded lately. Is 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 there also a reverse thing when you have some of these larger, you know, GPT kind of open AI platforms when maybe too many people use it, it gets diluted a little bit? Yeah, so it's it's a good question. Um it that can happen in theory, um, but it's actually quite rarely the case. What mm -hmm. is what more is more likely to happen, and I think especially with recent examples, what we've seen some kind of more specific examples of is when the especially the um kind of in-house teams at those at those companies decide that they want to make sure that the model doesn't behave in a certain mm -hmm. way. And so they're basically trying to instruct it to not make specific mistakes. And by doing that, it's a little bit of a kind of a, let's say a, a manual intervention in how the model thinks. Mm -hmm. And that can lead to some unintended side effects where maybe we're trying to correct it in one thing, but then unfortunately that results in it being a little bit less performant in another search. And so the, and, and a lot of these are like very reasonable things. So for example, we want to teach the model to not say um, violent things because mm -hmm. that's inappropriate for the model to say, but then inadvertently that unfortunately affected the impact of how well it can search for, um, let's say criminal investigators, because mm -hmm. in the model's mind, it's too close to that area that it doesn't want to touch. So that has to seem overwhelming. Like you don't have, you know, the team that Google or Microsoft has. So how are you able with a small team to be able to kind of see when these things pop up and quickly make changes? Yeah, so the the fortunate piece for us is that we have a very specific domain. We don't need to train an AI model that can do everything. Mm -hmm. um, and there's lots of amazing companies and amazing teams working on an AI to do everything. Um, that's not us. We're working on an AI specifically for recruiting. And uh, that gives us a very narrow domain and very specific things that we know we want to train and improve the AI on. It also makes it easier for the AI to learn in that space because it gets fed so much data about specifically recruiting and it doesn't get distracted by all the other things. You know, we don't ask it complicated math questions and we don't ask it to write poems. We just ask it to be really good at candidate search. And so that's what we're able to double down on. And that's why we're also able to do it quite efficiently with a small team. Do you think that that's where things are headed, where instead of having a chat GPT that's a generalist for everything, you're going to end up having dozens, hundreds of specialized niche type of AI projects that hyper-focus you know, on, let's say, recruiting or whatever else it may be. Do you think from what you're saying, is that kind of the future people are viewing within your tech community? I, I think there's a there's a strong likelihood of that happening, um, especially because, you know, there's the AI part of a product, but then there's also the actual interface, how it's used, how it's brought to the user, which is very different from domain to domain, right? We want like a recruiting AI to look quite different than we would want a math tutor AI to look like, just in terms of the interface, what it can do, um, what capabilities we have. And so that's also where then the, the way we train those AI starts differing as well, because there's different ways that people interact with it. And so I think that is kind of the strongest reason why we will have a lot of different AI models is because they can become better and better at the specific thing that they want to do. There's one exception case that is a little bit scary to think about is uh, if there's one AI model that just gets so good at everything, 
um, that is just basically able to do everything we want it to. And it's already so smart that the marginal benefit of then having specific AI models for different industries or use cases becomes less because we already have this one super smart model. Um, who knows uh, if that if that happens or when that happens, um, but that would that would definitely change things too. All right, that 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 could be another podcast kind of conversation because that's blowing my mind. So it almost sounds like it's this 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 you know AI running amok that's going to control everything. But we can talk about that another time. So I, I hope it's not that negative. <laughs> <laughs> so for the people, let's say let's say two pieces. Uh, we could start with the recruiters, and then I know this isn't the second part isn't what this platform was made to be, but I know I was being a little pushy to ask for it. So the recruit would talk about what recruiters can expect and how they could work it, how could it help them, but then also to see to flip it, where maybe job seekers could use the platform, even though it wasn't intended for this, but job seekers to use it to help them out. So maybe we could start for the recruiters in the audience now, and also for the job seekers and you know people who are curious about it just to understand how this platform works because i think for job seekers too it's healthy to know like how does how do recruiters work what do they do and then for recruiters what can they expect by going on the platform and maybe you could walk us through it yeah so for recruiters the um the, the primary value add is we help you find the best candidate as efficiently as possible. And our goal is to make your search and outreach process extremely streamlined. And so instead of spending hours doing different searches, configuring those searches, switching to different platforms, et cetera, we're one home to start your search, find your candidates, get their contact info and reach out to them. And instead of spending say eight hours on that process, we help you do that in 30 minutes. The platform is free to try. So uh, if you go to juicebox.work and then click get started, you'll be brought right into PeopleGPT. Um, or if you want to go direct into the platform, you can also go to peoplegpt.io. Um, and then to address the second part of your question around the, the job seekers, it's um, a, a use case that we find really interesting. And especially for, for jobs where the job seeker has a specific role in mind that they want to, to, to get to. And what we see some, some users on the platform doing, which I think is a, is a really phenomenal use case, is for the specific role that they're looking to enter. So as an example, let's say they're looking to, to join a company as a partnerships manager, they will go out and find the relevant potential hiring managers for that role using PeopleGPT. And so you can say, you know, look for hiring managers of the partnerships role at a specific company in a specific region and the platform will return you those profiles and then you can craft a personalized outreach message to them to reach out to them directly and help you stand out from other applicants um, that are applying for that job and so that's a that's a use case that we see quite frequently and um anecdotally i've, I've heard of um, a good number of folks using that successfully as well and um on that note too if you're a job seeker and using the platform um, please feel free to reach out via our support chat, just at support at juicebox.work, saying that you're a job seeker and we'll extend your free trial so that you can continue using the, the platform for your job search. So so let's, if you don't mind, I want to return to the job seekers in a minute, but to go back for the recruiters, just so I understand and they understand it better. The platform is 
kind of similar, what I've noticed, to I've, things I've used in the past, whether, you know, eFinancial, LinkedIn, Indeed, what have you. And it's really interesting. So you could go to, go in there, type in, let's say, in my in my livelihood, I focus on compliance. So particularly on Wall Street. So it could be attorneys, risk, audit, anti-money laundering, what have you. So I could put in, and I tried this the last time we spoke, you know, chief compliance officer for a hedge fund in New York. And you put it in and then, you know, bingo, it just populates and gives you a whole list of those folks. And then sometimes I realize, hmm, and most recruiters could appreciate this. You realize I'm being too broad. I got to now... It's the chief compliance officer for hedge funds in New York, but also knows anti-money laundering and surveillance and X, Y, and Z and such and such. And then you dig down again, and then it comes up and it keeps going. So it's the search, but a lot of other things like LinkedIn, you just do the Boolean search and that's it. Here, you could keep iterating and fine tuning it and drilling down to clarify it, get better, 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 better so that you don't have to run four, five, six, seven different Boolean type searches that drives people crazy. Is that, am I kind of correct in that assessment of how that plays out? That was perfect. Can we book you to do our <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, no, that, was, that was a really good description. I think the, the um, corp way of thinking about it and you, you communicated it really well is that you can still use a combination of filters as well as the AI search. And so, you know, we know we're looking for people with the job title, chief compliance officer or similar job title um, in located in New York. But we also want to use the AI search to say who has experience with anti-money laundering, et cetera, to kind of drill down into those harder to find pieces where a simple keyword search might not get us all the way there or might exclude some candidates that could potentially be a good fit. And to manage expectations for the people who are watching now and be watching later or listening later, I'd imagine as good as the product is, you're probably always going to get a kind of couple of clunkers that fall in there, I'd imagine, right? Just so that managing their expectations so they don't call you and me up and go, what, David, Jack, I can't find the right person. But I, I've done it enough. I've done enough uh, playing around with it that I do. It comes across really well, which is, which is mind-blowing. Um, then to circle back with the job seekers, um, and I'd be, I'd be really interested to see how it works because what I'm what I'm seeing here in the U.S. I'm not sure what you've seen because are you? You're, I know you're back here in the U.S., so you've probably seen it. Where for white collar professionals, it's become really super hard to find a job. It's yep. really really tough. So that it seems that maybe they could arm themselves a little bit to be more competitive because let's say i'm looking for a job and i i do the inverse of juice box and saying hmm because what i would i always tell people who ask for my advice find your target group of companies within that target group of companies try to find people you know or if you don't know them have some loose ties someone you know who knows somebody who can kind of get you the end. So it seems your platform, even though I know you aren't, you didn't intend it for this way. I, I think for a lot of people, if they then do searches and say, Hey, I want to work at Google doing product management or, or what have you. 
and I want to be in the New York office by Chelsea Piers, and I'm looking to earn about such and such mo you know, money, that all of a sudden could maybe get you a little bit in the door. So now you find out who that hiring manager is, you know, who that HR person is, who that talent acquisition internal person is, and then you get to hit them up. And I think, as you mentioned, you're able to send out emails, right? Where you could use your service, you know, your product to generate an email. So you don't even have to write your own, you know, you could have it set up and then just tailor it. Is that, does that seem reasonable? Does that seem to make sense? Yeah, that that's exactly right. And I think the the core value add, especially from the job seeking perspective, is to to help you stand out amongst other applicants. Um, we see this ourselves as well, especially um, there's today there's so many ways that make it really easy to apply to jobs, which mm -hmm. is great from the applicant perspective. But it also results that on the company perspective, there's a greater volume than ever of applicants per role. And so to make sure that we don't kind of get lost in that applicant pool, going one step beyond and, and reaching out and, and getting in touch with hiring managers is a really great way to, to stand out. And what are you finding out? Because now you've, how long have you been doing this? We launched the company one and a half years ago, and mm -hmm. we launched the product in May of last year. And are you finding out that there are any particular sectors that people are really involved with, or does it go across everything from pharmaceutical to biotech to what have you? Yeah, it's it's super diverse. Um, mm -hmm. That was actually the the thing that surprised me the most when we first launched. Mm -hmm. um, my personal network is largely in the in the tech industry, and so I had kind of assumed that the users would also bias towards that. And um, we very quickly saw that not be the case, though. And so we do have a good number of users in tech, but it's by no means the majority of our of our searches or users. And uh, that was also really exciting to see because I got to learn so much about different types of search and different industries um, and and how those operate. And so that has been kind of very, very diverse in terms of roles and also in terms of geography. Um, most of our customers are in North America. We also have large groups of customers in in Europe, in different English-speaking markets, and in in other countries internationally. And uh, those are also really fun because I get to learn about the the hiring market in each of those locations too. Now, do you need a special whatever to, if you're a recruiter, to search for the UK or Germany or what have you, or you could just use the platform for whatever country you want to try? Yeah, you can just use it for any country that you want to try, um, and it'll get you started from there. And, and I, I understand why people initially, you would think, for tech, because that's that's kind of the go-to. But So you're seeing it all sorts of different verticals. And is it all different levels as well? Are you even finding people who like want part-time jobs or gig jobs or contract jobs or temp? Can you even get that? Like, Let's say somebody's in between roles. You know, they were laid off, they're looking for a job. Can they go on there and say, hey, whatever kind of part-time gig and maybe try to find that? Is that doable? Um the it's definitely doable. And we have some some folks using it for as well. I will say that the platform is primarily designed for full-time roles. And mm -hmm. so that's where yeah. we'll be strongest, also in terms of the search. Um, but it's still possible to to use it for other other use cases too. 
Is anything else that maybe I didn't ask you about that you feel you could share that would be helpful for folks to understand how it works and how it could you know, help the recruiters or help the job seekers or anyone else? Yeah, I think the the best way to, to really understand the platform is to, to try it out. We have a free trial available mm-hmm. uh, just to get started. It takes like two clicks to log in and you're, you're ready to go. Um, and it's really fun to just play around with it. And so um, that's my... my um, recommendation for for checking it out and um you know of course if you prefer having a demo or things like that we're mm-hmm. also having that too where do you see this going yeah so it seems it's doing really well in building how large can this i mean can this platform be kind of a, a i don't want to be crass but like a linkedin killer or something like that i mean is that does it have that potential do you have that vision to say hey why couldn't we compete with linkedin and we're not going to have all the bells and whistles that linkedin has meaning you know a lot of the news and what have you but just pure recruiting looking for people looking for job seekers looking for candidates so do you have these like huge ambitions or 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 you want to share it or you just want to keep it cool and say hey i'm just trying to do whatever now like what's what's the game plan? Yep. Our our goal is to yeah. to, to be to, to serve our users as well as possible mm-hmm. for the recruiting use case. And so we want to be right. the best recruiting search engine out there. And as we continue to go more in depth on that, add more features, add more adjacent features, we are finding that we already are kind of can be the sole search platform. Mm-hmm. Um, that someone uses. And so as we continue to build that out and add more features and serve more use cases, um, we also want to to be able to to capture as much of that market as possible um, kind of with the goal of of becoming that that ultimate recruiting search engine. Um, what that means long term, and like uh, especially, you know, you mentioned LinkedIn and and other mm-hmm. companies in the space. I think it's it's way too early to to say anything there. and and our goal is to to serve our users, make the best possible platform, and then we'll see where that takes us. And I don't mean to ask this if it's this uncomfortable, but for yourself, for people who are curious, just from the from the business perspective, let's put aside, you know, you know juice box, people GPT. How does it work for a you know young guy like yourself to say, hey, I'm gonna maybe you could walk people through who are always curious about being an entrepreneur or starting a business. What made you think of it? Is it super hard? Is it like, what are the obstacles? Do you feel like every once in a while, I just want to give up and get a regular nine to five job. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) And how is it to start trying to raise money, you know, going in A round, B round, C, D, whatever, especially in this kind of environment. Are you, are you comfortable just sharing your journey and how you got to where we are now? For sure. So uh, I, I'm originally from Germany. I grew up in a city called Dusseldorf. Um, it's fairly close to, to Frankfurt and Cologne. Um, grew up there. And when I was super small, like three years old, we spent two years in the US. I don't remember anything from that time. But fortunately, we always had friends in the US because of that. And so I felt I always had exposure to the US. And it became clear to me like pretty early on that I want to go to the US and I want to uh, kind of go there as soon as possible. And so first opportunity that presented itself was for college. And uh went over to to do my undergrad here and um, then also had the opportunity to stay afterwards. And so with that, I 
kind of knew I wanted to start a business, but I initially had a little bit of a different plan. I actually wanted to um, kind of do a few different corporate roles first, gather some specific skills and experiences that I thought I needed to, to start the business. Um, but then a good mentor of mine basically told me, hey, yes, you you would you will have more experiences if you work at other jobs first but in the end the fastest way to learn those and, and the fastest way to learn the skills that you need to start a company is just going ahead diving right in and starting it and to me that also really resonated with the reason why I came to the U.S. in the first place is I want to be a, a, a part of this country where everyone can go and, and do their own thing and, and build their own thing and people support each other in doing that too and so that was my my rationale of go, getting started and um, I decided to kind of not do the job that I was going to do in the in the tech industry and instead go ahead and start the business. And uh, fortunately, I had already been working with my co-founder for a long time before then. We had built some products previously and we knew we worked well together. And so that gave us the confidence to go out there and also gave us the gave the investors that we were fortunate to work with uh, the confidence to invest in us because they had seen the products that we previously built they knew why we were doing this and why we wanted to build in the in the industry, and so that was our journey to get started. And um, since then, it's been it's been super exciting, especially now we're we're hiring for quite a few roles, growing up the business. We recently moved from New York to SF, which has been a, a fun switch as well. Um, I can't say I don't miss New York, but um, San Francisco is really nice too. And um, yeah, I'm excited for for what the future holds. Well. Let me fill in a couple of gaps. So you're being very humble because when you said college, you went to Harvard and you graduated three years, if I understand, right? Which, that's correct. Which is a great accomplishment. Feel free to brag. That's part. That's an American <laughs> thing, by the way, just so you know. To, 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 it's okay to be brag and say, hey, yeah, I graduated in three years. And then I think, what, you were at SNAP for a year? Did you take off from college to go to SNAP or how did that work? Yeah, that's right. I, I took time off during college um, when COVID hit. And so mm -hmm. I basically had the option of like, do I want to do college remotely or do I want to take a gap year? And that made it easy. So I took a gap year, um, initially interned at SNAP for a summer and then just extended there and, and stayed there. And so that was a really great experience and um, actually met our first investor through uh, working at SNAP back then as well. And, and so with SNAP, you were doing, now are you, would you consider yourself, a, are you a software engineer? Do you do other things as well? Like how, what, what's your piece within building this platform? Yep. So I'm primarily not a software engineer okay. um, at Snap. I was on their their kind of international growth team. And so we were okay. focusing on growing the platform in, in different international markets. Um, and now I I do kind of all kinds of things to, to keep the business alive and um, keep us operating. That doesn't involve actually writing code. <laughs> So when you when you start this out, so you, I guess do you have a team? It doesn't kind of break down where okay, we need at least a software engineer to help design and build, but then you need kind of a marketing person. You need maybe that go-to person who could do a little bit of everything. Then you need maybe an organizational thing. Is that what you notice with your company and other small startups that you know you need some key players in each position to make this work? Yeah. So the we when we started the business we went through an incubator called y combinator mm -hmm. uh, out here in, in san francisco and what they're really good about is they uh kind of make it very clear to you that the first version of the product you should be able to build with ideally just your the founding team so in, mm -hmm. in my case that was my co-founder and myself 
and you should bring out an initial version of the product. It doesn't have to be fully featured, but it should be good enough to like mm -hmm. get a feeling for what it actually does and bring the first customers on board um, with just that founding team. And so that's the goal that we set ourselves. And um, that's how we how we got to the the very first version of the product that we that we launched. And Y Combinator is one of the most respected kind of incubator type of organization to help do what you're doing now and really help train. How was it like going to Y Combinator? Did they really give you kind of a boot camp education and what you need to build a startup business? Yes, yeah, definitely. And the thing, one thing that they do exceptionally well is kind of. I like to use the term like indoctrinating you with that startup methodology and, and in in uh, kind of the most positive way possible is like they really teach you um, these are the things you need to do like moving fast, launching quickly, um, small team and, and getting to market fast. And so those really start becoming like a, a second nature way of thinking um, as you go through the program. And I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that we had for us as well and in, in, in kind of how we thought about structuring the business. Uh, yeah, I love it. That's great. I mean, that's, that's so cool that within a year or so, you're able to just ramp up to where you are now. And it seems that there's full growth steam ahead. And, um, I, th and I think the product is going to help a lot of recruiters who have been hurting over the last from 20, mid-2022 till now. So this might help give them a competitive edge to, to be able to stay in the game and find more candidates. And the flip side from what we were talking about, even though this was, wasn't built for this purpose, you know, maybe people could use it to help with their job search. Um, and either way, I think it, it, it's, it's all about just helping people during challenging, difficult times. And I think uh, it's a great product. So I, I love that you're on the show here. And I'm glad that you're able to share it with the audience so they have you know an understanding of it. And uh, I really hope, I wish you the best of success. I love that you're doing well. Uh, I just have one last question before we head out. You know, you're excited to come to the US, right? You go to New York and you go to San Francisco. Are you having second thoughts and seeing how crazy Americans are and like how to, out of control we are or... or... <laughs> What do you feel about it? I, I love the craziness. That's why I came yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're cool with going to San Francisco and, and it's just <laughs> crime and dirty and you got to worry about getting mugged. It doesn't bother you. It's not free. It doesn't freak you out. I mean, there, there's there's definitely things that, um, you know, uh, have have room for growth, but there's, <laughs> there's just so many things that are so exciting, like the, um, you know, there's like driverless cars driving around here. Um, so many crazy new things happening. And uh, it's, you know, the only place in the world where where that happens. So San Francisco, so is it getting more of a bad rap than it is really? Because like, you know, the reports make it sound it's it's really, do, you know, doom loop kind of thing. Is that, so is, are they, is the media overreacting when they report that or it's a little bit of both? Yeah, I, th I think the media is a little just bit like delayed. Um, yeah. we, we were here in summer of 2022 as well. And we did not want to move here at that time. <laughs> um, and so that being said, though, we came back last year, spent the fall here and, and made that decision yeah. to move out here. Um, and I think things have already significantly improved and it feels like it's on, on an upward trend. And so um, I think that there's maybe a little bit of a media delay of like they're kind of now focusing on on some of the, the unfortunate sides, but it also feels like those have already peaked and are kind mm. of um, you know, improve on, on their way to improve already. 
Well, this is great. I really appreciate you taking time. I know you're very busy. You have you have startup to run and grow. So I, I'm I'm so happy that you're able to come on here and talk about and share your experiences. And you know, later on, I'll reach out because you know I'm planning writing it. I've been planning writing a series of articles about people like yourself who are doing all these cool startups. You know, I spoke to this woman, Lauren Smith, the other day. She, uh, um, she's a thirty under thirty at Forbes. I want to say she may have went to Y Combinator or something else. I can't recall off the top of my head. Where she's doing a really interesting thing. Um, this guy Tom Nagoyan, who uh, has Cafe, which is doing a really cool thing, so that for going back into the office. They're having a kind of a SaaS program for companies so that it makes people want to come back and give them reasons to come back to the office. So I'm I'm getting into I'm trying to get in touch with lots of folks like yourself who are really doing interesting things, really to empower workers and help people and make their lives better. So um, if you don't mind, I might probably reach out to you later, you know, this week or next week, because I think I think there's enough negativity out there, enough in the news doom gloom so i like writing about things that are super positive that are uplifting that are helping people because there's enough negativity you need more people doing positive things like yourself so i really appreciate the hard work you're doing and and um love to see your success and keep us posted with how it's going okay david thank you so much and thanks, thanks so much for having me on my pleasure thanks have a great day take care you too bye-bye